I'm here because I wanted to talk to you about us. Hey, John Flynn. Hey, Eric Bernard. How's it going? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very excited about our guest. Okay. Talk to me. Talk to you. Uh, he has got a, he is a, Big the a star in the theater world, well known from uh, the Real Housewives, and uh, is most and very well known for a one man show about Patty Lapone. That's not who we're talking about today, but I'm sure she will come up. But please <laughs> welcome Ben Rimmelauer, everybody. Hey, hey. Hey. Uh, oh, it's so good to be with you guys. Oh, it's so we're so excited to have you, Ben. Yeah, you're like the perfect person <laughs> for our topic this week and now am yeah. i the only guest who stalked you on instagram and begged you to let him come on and talk about the topic no actually you're not oh, okay good i mean good <laughs> but you're the most then. accomplished one <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're the yeah. only one we've said yes to <laughs> yeah <laughs> so before we start talking about evita so ben like what is your like history with madonna like do you love her is she so like love what are your yeah Cool, cool. I mean, I am um, 47. And uh, so I was like, just kind of coming into like real consciousness when Madonna was coming into the public consciousness. I mean, I remember so vividly being like on the bus to summer camp and I would like sit, I must've been seven years old and I would sit with like the sort of teenage girl, like junior counselors and like they would be playing borderline. And uh, I just loved it. I mean, to this day, it's maybe one of my top favorite Madonna songs, top songs. And and then of course, uh, listening to the tape of that album and like my sister and I singing like Lucky Star and Angel and, and then just the, enormous like a virgin album that i feel like was just dominated i mean that and michael jackson were so right. the center yeah. of the universe when i was like in third grade and, and i was thinking about this recently i've gotten to this thing where whenever i am with a younger gentleman or a twink sure. if you will <laughs> i always grill them about madonna because it strikes me that um as as such a big theater queen myself I've kind of taken Madonna for granted because everybody else was always talking about Madonna and she was so <laughs> part of the conversation. It was never my job to bring up Madonna. I right. just got to enjoy her because she was there and I've seen her in concert. And but I mean, it was uh -huh. there for every album. No, that's not entirely true. When they came out, now they're some of my favorite albums, but Erotica and um, Bedtime Stories, okay. I had kind of taken like a break from like giving a shit. Like, yeah, uh, sure. That like, happens when I was to like, you know, a lot of people. But I, I came back to them, but all the other albums I was into in real time. But I'm, but I'm fascinated by the younger generation now who it's like they really don't know anything. And when they, they confuse her with like Cher or, you know, other <laughs> Cindy people. Cindy Lauper. I mean, we always, you know, she, I, I still think of her because she and Cindy kind of came out at the same right. time, but uh, they, they barely know about Cindy. But when I ask them to name Madonna songs, I mean, the first song they come up with is, is Hung Up, which is such yeah. an amazing yeah. bop. I mean, what a track. Right. But, but it's funny to me that that is the number the one Madonna thought. song, you know? Yeah, we definitely have a responsibility. Like, like right? Vogue yes. would be the one. Yeah. is the one I yeah. would think. Imagine, and that that certainly ranks. But like, it surprises <laughs> me how often "Hung Up" is the first one they name. You know, 
Yeah, and then you have people that are like, like you said, who are like, did she do that Believe song? Like, oh, no. God. <laughs> I mean, I love Cher so much, but it ain't the same. Of course, yeah. they're different. They're different yeah. divas. And I mean, also, they're, like, the they're fact on... that, like, that Cindy Lauper and Madonna did come out at the same time, there was just never any confusion. Like, nobody at that time period would be like, who, who, is this a Cindy Lauper song or a Madonna song? Like, well, I don't know. I feel like I'm my sure probably parents my, were... my... My third grade teacher probably didn't know which oh. one did Material Girl and which one did Girls Just Want to Have Fun, you know? Maybe, I mean, right. It, right. There was, for that brief moment, and then Madonna just became the biggest star in the world, and Cyndi Lauper just was this artist that kept working, you know, in her right. little small lane. Mm. Not small, but right, right. everyone's small relative to Madonna. <laughs> right. So, so you said you've seen her, like, when have you seen her live? Like, have, what tours of hers have you seen? Well, I might have made myself sound a little bit okay. cooler than I am. The only <laughs> tour that I've seen so far, because I, you know, I'm going to the um, uh, what the uh, new celebration one. celebration. Thank you. I was like reinvention. No, but uh, <laughs> the only tour that I've seen is Rebel Heart at Madison Square Garden, which was absolutely incredible. Oh yeah. And where she sang, speaking of Broadway, she sang Send in the Clowns, so stripped down. Oh wow. And it was one of the best Send in the Clowns that I've ever oh, heard. Funny. And it was an amazing show. I mean, I'm really mad at myself that I didn't see MDNA. And I'm really mad at myself that I, of course, didn't see like that major ones back in the day. But I was a little bit right. out of the concert going loop. <laughs> um, right. The only time I've seen her live was Sticky and Sweet. Mm, yeah, another good one to catch for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've watched all the tour videos. I mean, honestly, when she had the health scare, it just, it. I suddenly was like, oh, fuck. Like, I can't <laughs> snooze on this. Like, she might be taken away from us. And so I like... <laughs> I had the only concert I had ever watched. Well, no, I, that's not true. I, because I'd seen, after having seen um, Truth or Dare, I watched the full concert video of Blonde Ambition. And I think around that time, I might have also watched The Girly Show. Mm -hmm. That's like when I was like in college. But I did, but I, I did the only, and then I'd seen Rebel Heart at Madison Square Garden. But this summer, I watched all the concert videos. I was just like, I'm, I'm not letting right. Madonna not be here with me <laughs> fully like all the titles. Board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you are planning to see the celebration tour. Yes. Totally. Yes. 100%. Yes. You, are you seeing her in December when she first comes to New York? Yeah, and I don't have tickets yet, but I'm I'm gonna do it, and um, I'm just like trying to figure out like what the budget is, because like I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm you have a, to figure that out. Being such a yeah. theater queen, I'm sure you understand. It's like it's hard for me to relate to a performer in a in like an arena stadium setting. Like yeah, I remember right. the first time I ever saw a concert on that. No, I guess I saw some concerts in high school of like rock bands like Dire Straits and shit like that. But mm -hmm. like I saw um, Bette Midler. Uh, at Madison Square Garden in 1999, the Divine Miss Millennium tour. And I, I'm such a huge Bet fan, and that was maybe the peak of my time of being a fan. But I remember just being like, this is bullshit. She's like an ant. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> right. know, so I feel like I really need like good seats, you know? So I'm trying sure. to decide, is it like how many digits are in the <laughs> equation here? Definitely three. Uh yeah, no, <laughs> there's no, there's no two digit seats for sure. <laughs> There's no standing room like rent. Uh, no, yeah, <laughs> those days are behind me. <laughs> so since we're going to talk about a Madonna movie, yeah, Ben, uh -huh. what's your what's your like kind of overall feeling of Madonna as actress, a, a, an actor, yeah, an actress. Well, she's the a actress. movie killer. She's dead behind the eyes. 
That's not my feeling. That's that's Ms. Lupone's feeling. You know, I I mean, in a way, I kind of experienced her as an actress from the beginning. I mean, I guess as we all did, because Desperately Seeking Susan, I remember so well having watched that movie many times when I was a little kid. And I didn't watch that movie as like a hate watch of an embarrassing bad actress. I watched it as like an iconic, you know, diva performance. And I mean, she just embodied in that movie the whole persona that I, you know, not just thought of uh, as being her persona, but kind of everything I thought was cool in the 80s. And really, now that I'm old and irrelevant, that's still what I think is cool. You know, I mean, I never changed my aspirations. And so... You know, that at first, for at least for me, first impressions don't really die off. So even though I've seen movies that she wasn't great in or, you know, not even to be not even so much that she wasn't great in them, but, you know, that were just bad movies like, you know, Who's That Girl and Swept Away and what's the one with Rupert Everett? The um, next best thing. The next best thing. That one was painful. And I mean, honestly, Swept Away, if I hadn't seen the original, I probably would have liked it. I mean, it's not like a great film, but it's like watchable. But it's just that it's like a barely watchable film that's a remake of like one of the greatest movies ever made. It's like a hard, (laughs) you know, hard comparison. The next best thing was really shitty. So, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like, I mean, I'm a Madonna fan where... I would see anything she did, but I I would not have high expectations of a movie she made, generally speaking. I like, I think she acts well in some of her videos. Yeah. Great job in a lot of her videos. Yeah. Like Papa Don't Preach, I think. Totally. It's like, like, I'm like, oh, she's like telling us a story. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of, that's why I think maybe some of the problems with those movies and, you know, and maybe it's partly her fault. I mean, I was reading her brother's book and okay. he was talking about Shanghai Surprise, like the like one. the production. I've, I've never even seen that one. But like, you know, just how everything was like uh, egos and all that, like on the set. And like, you know, so maybe it's partly her fault, too, you know. But regardless of whose fault it is, it's the movie that's bad more than like her acting in it. And a video is a thing where Madonna, you know, probably more than anyone before her or after her understood that medium. And, you know, as the kids say today, she understood the assignment Assignment. in each of those videos. Yeah. Right. She also has like, I mean, even though she's not the director, she has like the ultimate control over the videos. Totally. There is something that she doesn't like or doesn't want or wants in there she can make sure that happens whereas like with the movie she's a director's medium Mm -hmm. yeah director's medium yeah that's when i heard heard an interview with her around the time of body of evidence oh i forgot body of evidence yeah yeah (laughs) somebody was like the the interviewer was like so your movie coming out and she was like it's not my movie it's the director's (laughs) movie it's yeah it's his it's uli's movie and she was like the sex book is my vision Erotica is my album, but the movie is the director's. It was either her being respectful or like, don't blame me. Dark responsibility. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but that, that I guy. mean, that's, I always find that so satisfying about Madonna that despite the impression you can get of her at times, that like when it comes down to it, I think that she's an artist and she understands what art is. And, you know, I I think that she means that, even if I'm sure there's movies where she's overstepped her whatever with the director in the moment. I think that Uh she's not like some like, you you know, I don't know like how much Britney Spears understood on the set of, you know, Crossroads, (laughs) like whose job was what or what. You know, it's not that with Madonna. 
but even in like photo shoot, I think she's like at the at the time was like, oh, this is Herbert's yeah vision for this photo right. shoot, yeah. and I'm sure she co- was collaborative, but also like trusting. Totally. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about Vita today, but before we do that. I have some trivia questions. Ooh, I love trivia. Do you? It's okay. <laughs> these are deep. They're getting like the more we do these, the deeper the trivia questions. All get. right. Wish me luck. So, okay. <laughs> this will affect how the rest of the podcast goes. Ben, so you better do well. <laughs> well, so usually I try to focus like the trivia questions around like whatever theme we're doing. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to like go up against you two with Evita trivia. Andrew Lloyd Webber trivia, sure. Yeah. <laughs> either you two or the band you two. I'm not going up against either one of you when no, it comes no, to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. yeah. So I decided like my theme is other Madonna achievements that start with the letter E. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Okay. So first we have her one of her first bands before she was a solo artist was called Emmy. All right. So that's pretty that was pretty big for her. <laughs> and one of the, one of the songs, one of their songs has this. I'm gonna tell you, redo some of the lyrics, and then you're gonna guess, and then I'm gonna give you a multiple choice for the last part Love of the phrase. It. Okay. okay. It goes like this. But when I kiss you, I go into the light, and every hour of the day turns into night. And you may say that I'm a pretender, can't help myself, my love, and then this is fill in the blank. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna do it again. It sounds like this. But when I kiss you, I go into the light, and every hour of the day turns into night. And you may say that I'm a pretender, can't help myself, my love. Okay, these are your choices, ready? Okay. My love, apostrophe S, a mind bender. I love my that. love's yeah. a mind bender. Mm-hmm. Number two is my love's what you send her. <laughs> okay. okay. Number three is my love hit your fender. Okay. And then number four is my love is for tender. Those are your four choices. Mm. A mind bender, what you send her, hit your fender is for tender. It's a real like punky, like punky early, late uh-huh. 70s. Did you tell us the name of the song or would that give it away? That would give it away. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. It's it's the it's the answer. The, the, oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I have to go with my love's a mind bender. Okay. I'm gonna go with Fender. Okay. The answer is my love is for tender. Worst of all four. The worst of all ones. Which is why I thought That's so yeah. punk. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to make I was trying to make the other the fake ones equally as awkward. <laughs> and it was actually tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the song is called Love is for Tender. And it's actually like a really catchy song. And she sounds great on the version that I heard on YouTube. Mm, but okay. when I kiss you, I go into the light. Okay. The second major accomplishment for Madonna that started with an E was her first single, Everybody. And my 
book, Madonna Song by Song by Mark Andrews, talks about the fact that there was uh, the version that was released in the US, there was a, he called it a shoutier remix for the UK market. Mm. And it was remixed by a musician called Rusty Egan for the UK version. And I don't think Madonna liked it because she didn't like it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good reason. <laughs> but Rusty Egan, okay, this is getting kind of far from the topic, but here we go. Rusty Egan was a was a musician and he was in a bunch of different bands. I'm going to tell you all the names of the bands that he was in. One of them he was not in. Okay. Okay, ready? Rich Kids, Blitz, Skids, Shock. I want to, I feel like these should all have like the Rich Kids, the Skids, the uh -huh. Shocks, but they're just, they don't. They're just like Rich Kids, Blitz, Skids, Shock, and Visage. Visage was the last one you said? As in yeah, Michelle? As in Michelle. <laughs> or in this case, the band fronted by Steve Strange. <laughs> I think that we only did choose one that, that was yeah. not a band. He was I in all of these bands except for one. I think except Shock. Okay. That's what I'm going to say because you did something different with your hand on that one. Oh, I did. tell. You did. I tell. <laughs> Shock. What did, what did I do? <laughs> you like really pointed. Shock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was not in a band called Blitz. Oh, okay. He did DJ at a club called Blitz. So I knew Blitz. I, <laughs> I was covering my bases in case one of you was like a um, a Rusty Egan stand. Mm. No. I love That's my name, other podcast. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're here today to talk about all things Rusty Egan. We're we've starting just scra It's episode Rich 100 kids. and we've just scratched the surface. <laughs> <laughs> today, we're in June 1979. The Skids have just had their first rehearsal. Okay, my third and final question is another big E, but I skipped, I skipped some big ones. I skipped Express Yourself and Erotica. Mm. Those are big ones. And I slid into Easy Ride. Mm. Sure. So Tracy Young remixed Easy Ride on her 2005 CD, Dance Culture, all one word. She also, remixed a version of Gangbang by Madonna that did not get officially released. And it's called Gangbang Tracy Young's Blank Mix. Here are your choices. Okay. Tracy Young's Poolside Mix. Tracy Young's Private Mix. Tracy Young's Panther Mix. Tracy Young's Players Club Mix. Or Tracy Young's Pantheon Mix. I just want to say, yeah, <laughs> you did a really good job on making up for Earth, whatever many it is, wrong answers on this one. You think so? Okay, good. Thank yeah, you. I love it. I them. appreciate it. Okay. I want them all to be true. <laughs> Tracy Young's Poolside, Private, Panther, Players Club, or Pantheon Mix. I'm torn between Panther and Players Club. Okay. Mm. I'm gonna go with poolside because it just it, it reminds me of the Miami mix. Yeah. I feel like it's a good vibe. Okay, I'm gonna go with Panther because I want it to be true. Okay, 
Ben, you're the closest because the <laughs> album, the remix was, she did it poolside in Miami. So you had ah. all the like, you had all, you the, all the pieces. Like, yeah, all the pieces were there, but it's called Tracy Young's Private Mix. Private okay. Mix. Okay. Let's talk about Evita. Let's talk about Evita. Probably the most significant E word achievement of Madonna's career. Mm -hmm. Definitely the most uh, cinematic one. (laughs) So so here's my blurb on Evita. So Evita is a movie musical originally written for the stage by Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber. The film was directed by Alan Parker with a screenplay by Alan Parker and Oliver Stone, question mark. Uh, It stars Madonna, Antonio Banderas, Jonathan Price, and Jimmy Nail. It was released December 14th, 1996 and made $141 million off a budget of $55 million. That's a success. That's a success. It received mostly mixed reviews, though, but Roger Ebert gave the film three and a half stars, writing, Parker's visual enlivened the music, and Madonna and Banderas bring it passion. By the end of the film, we feel like we've had our money's worth, and we're sure Evita has. Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly gave it a C- and said, Evita would have worked had it been staged as a larger-than-life spectacle. The way Alan Parker has directed Evita, however, it's just a sluggish, contradictory mess, a drably realistic Latin Revolution music video driven by a soundtrack of mediocre 70s rock fuck you owen but yeah uh, i received five golden globe nominations winning three for best motion picture musical or comedy best actress for madonna and best original song for you must love me and it won the academy award for best original song it was nominated for four other categories best film editing best cinematography best art direction and best sound and that's my blurb on evita so ben so what's your history with evita in general in a broader (laughs) sense (laughs) well evita has been incredibly central to my life i mean i was a little gay mess living in new york city (laughs) when i was three and four and evita was opening on broadway and there were these iconic television commercials with patty lapone and mandy patinkin the original production and my family, my grandparents were taking me to see Broadway musicals, but they wouldn't take me to Evita because it was too grown up. And I didn't know why, but I thought it was about an Argentine boxer because <laughs> the railing of the Casa Rosada looked like a boxing ring uh, in okay. Prince's production to my four-year-old eyes. <laughs> but so I thought it was about this glamorous Argentine boxer. And I, I knew that my grandmother was a blonde, but in photos of her as a young woman, she had been a brunette. And Patti Lapone in the Evita commercial is both brunette and blonde. Brunette and Buenos Aires and blonde and don't cry for me, Argentina. And so I understood that. And I think I found that as a little homosexual that I was. I think I found that really like titillating and exciting that she was, you know, changed her hair color in the show. And I was haunted by it because then we moved to L.A. when I was five. And for years the tours of Evita would come through Los Angeles and Southern California, and they would always play that same Broadway commercial with Patti Lupone. <laughs> Did the commercials have like a, a, a changed lyric where she was like, I kept my promise, you keep your distance. They, there's different versions like that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was not an exact cut of the show. It was special <laughs> footage. Yeah. It was like, I kept my promise. Don't keep your distance. I kept my promise. <laughs> yeah. It's like very like psycho. And uh, there was a version that had a little bit of Rainbow High and there were shorter versions and longer versions and there were different voiceovers. She simply seduced a nation. (laughs) She certainly seduced me. And when I was a teenager and 
I had sort of forgotten about musical theater in L.A. because it was kind of like not a thing. And like my parents took us to see Cats and I fell asleep, you know, because I was a kid, whatever. Same. <laughs> but when I was like a teenager, when in junior high, people were getting really into Phantom and Les Mis. And I was sort of like not so much part of that, but sort of oh. through the getting kind of the fumes of that via my sister. We had this premiere collection of Andrew Lloyd Webber CD. Oh, and I had that, had, yeah. Yeah, everybody had it, right? <laughs> and it had Julie Covington from the original concept yes. recording of Evita singing Don't Craft Me Argentina. And it had uh, from that recording, Barbara Dixon singing Another Suitcase, Another Hall. And I just remember being in my mom's car and hearing Julie Covington sing Don't Cry For Me Argentina and it, like taking me back to that Evita commercial. And I was just like, I need this, I need this. <laughs> and I went to buy the CD and I had a gift certificate to Music Plus. And the only version that they had was the Broadway album. And I was kind of like, it's not Julie Covington, but whatever. <laughs> and so I got it, Little but then I, was, I got really <laughs> obsessed with Patti LuPone. And so then the two things, like when I was 14, that I was just completely obsessed with were Evita and Patti LuPone. And then I got into everything else that had to do with Patti LuPone, like the TV show Life Goes On and Les Miserables and Anything Goes and her other Broadway stuff. And I got really into all the versions of Evita. I mean, the Korean recording and, you know, just because there wasn't that much. I mean, it was, you know, the early 90s. And I was desperate to see Evita, but there was no production going on. I would drive out to, like, see weird productions in small theaters out in, like, the boondocks in Southern California. My sister and I saw one in Riverside where the woman who played Evita also designed the wigs. Mm -hmm. And um, we were just kind of fascinated by all that. Yeah, she's (laughs) multi-talented. I knew, like, I got into the musical Forbidden Broadway to all the recordings of that. And there was this one great one. I think it's their first recording from the early 80s where they uh, there's a song, Don't Cry For Me, Barbara Streisand, all about Patti LuPone being so bitter that Barbara had, at that time in the early 80s, bought the film rights to Evita. So I was, and I, and I would read about it. I remember like going to like uh, the bookstore in the mall and like looking it up And I I was aware that there had been at one point when Oliver Stone was going to direct it, there had been talks of Madonna maybe doing it or Madonna had campaigned to do it. And supposedly that was why she did like Spanish eyes or different rumors. (laughs) That's why she did La Isla Bonita. And I sort of, and I cut through different like books about Angela Ed Weber and stuff that, you know, at one point Barbara had owned the film rights, but there had been talking about Liza Minnelli. They had talked about Meryl Streep, Michelle Pfeiffer. But it seemed pretty clear at this point that it was dead in the water and never going to happen. So I really had no hope. And not to mention the fact that this is before the movie of Chicago or Moulin Rouge. It was just when I was a teenager, movie musicals were not a thing that was happening. Yeah, they weren't going to happen. It was clearly that they had been a thing that was very old fashioned in the era of like, you know, in the 50s and the, the, you know, an MGM and whatever. And you know, that they talked about how the movie of Little Shop of Horrors was a bomb, how the movie of Chorus Line was a bomb. And they were sort of like, sorry, faggot, you're not getting any more <laughs> of the movies you want. Give up the dream. And I really had given it up. So it was just an um, unbelievable dream come true to me that it was finally happening when I was in college. And um, and I found out because I wanted to, I had a student theater company uh, at UC Berkeley and I wanted to direct Evita and that we couldn't get the rights because they were frozen because they were, because the movie was coming out. And I was like, holy fucking shit. And people were always surprised that I wasn't mad that it was Madonna as a Patti LuPone <laughs> devotee. Oh, yeah. 
But I mean, I had given up the dream that Patty was going to be in Evita. There, there was nobody ever right, was yeah. like, "Yeah, girl, maybe Patty will get to do it. You should <laughs> say your prayers at night." It was like, absolutely not. Like Patty was so. Patty played the mom on a Sunday night TV show. You know, right? Patty, she was not box office. She was. It was. There was no universe where I thought that was going to happen. My, you know, and you know, Madonna seemed like a really exciting choice because she is a, a, an icon in a way that you know maybe Meryl Streep is the greatest actor of her generation and and you know has I think sung and acted really great in lots of musicals on screen you know and now we throw around the word iconic nowadays so like mm -hmm. sure Meryl Streep is iconic in a way as a movie star but like I knew that as soon as I heard it was going to be Madonna that for us to relate in any way to the face on screen not just the face, but the iconography of the face, that when they hold up the banners in the crowd scenes and it's Madonna's right. face, her face has that Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe kind of like, you know, cultural significance Ubiquity, yeah. that it just, it it touches you in a cellular way that, you know, Madonna, that Meryl Streep's face doesn't have the same, you know, as great as she is as a film star, right. you don't associate her face on banners in crowds in that same way. And I just was very, I was all in. And I went to the premiere at the Cinerama Dome the night that it opened in 1996. I've never been more stoned in my life. <laughs> I remember just being like so high out of my mind, like walking from the car and then like standing in line to get in and just like running into all these people, including this guy who I had a crush on was there with like his family and his parents. And it was like, how can I like, have human conversation with these people. I'm like shaking hands with his dad and I'm just like, this is way too much. I can't process right now. I just need to like be in my seat with my popcorn. This is all above my pay grade. So that was my, that's where you found me like before I saw the movie, you know. Have you watched it multiple times think? since? Like, did you, after you saw I the first I have watched one. it a few times over the years. And I actually have plans. I've got a bunch of young friends who've never seen it that I want to show it to. I was thrilled. I mean, I thought when I would fantasize about what this movie of this musical that I loved so much would be like, I didn't have any idea how they would do it because it's not like, well, say, Aunt Eller. Are you going right. to go over there because it's real beautiful? Oh, what a beautiful... You know, it's like they don't talk and sing. I mean, it's this new kind of musical that Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice had invented with Jesus Christ Superstar and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and then Navita, you know, and Les Mis is like that too. And falsettos, you know, it's sort right. of is part of a new generation of what musical theater could be like, not to mention the new generation of the style of music. I mean, it's fine... It, I think that the the re critical response to the movie, much like the critical response to the play, is a little bit unfair most of the time. You know, what did he say? Like second rate 70s rock or whatever that yeah, yeah. review you quoted. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, how does it compare to other movie musicals of 70s rock operas? Like, what are you comparing it to? Like, are you comparing it to the time you actually saw the Stones on stage? Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure that Madonna singing Andrew Lloyd Webber is not as thrilling of a legit rock experience as Mick Jagger was when you were 18. You know? Sure. But like, c compare it to, like, 
other movies you've seen, it's a lot more 70s rock than those. And right. It sure to be like someone who's like a big rap person being like, Hamilton is rap. It's like, well, yes and no. Yeah, you know, it's, a, you know right. it's this crossover thing. And you can argue like how well it achieves like different of those goals. But it's like walking and chewing gum in a lot of different ways, you know. And this movie, Evita, really, they had to in- invent the wheel. Like, I didn't know how the storytelling was going to function. And right from that thrilling beginning, where the way Alan Parker uses that same song, which in the stage, that Requiem, Evita, you know, they go from the movie theater where it's her, her death is announced, and then it's just her funeral. There's no change of scenery. I mean, and they can do that in the stage because Che... The character of Che is used as like a narrator and he can break the fourth wall and talk to the audience and comment on what's going on. So we're sort of in two places at once. But how was that going to work in this movie? And the way that Alan Parker cut from Ava's from the real funeral to a flashback of Ava's actual father's funeral in her small town that she's from. And all of a sudden the orchestration is just like this shitty little band like that would have actually played you know like on coffee cans and like you know spanish guitars or whatever like walking down behind like a horse-drawn you know coffin through the dirt road cutting to the full you know like london symphony orchestra on crack for this like (laughs) high budget film of like the actual ava perone's like funeral which is then able to be this you know it's not just in one location where her actual coffin is, but we feel like we're watching it on TV in Argentina and across the world, experiencing it not just in one location, but experiencing it in the the grandness of it happening on Earth in that real moment. I mean, I just thought that he like really used the sort of MTV Madonna method of storytelling to sort of go global and multimedia, which you needed. It was actually the perfect solution to the hardest challenge of making this movie. And I don't think that any of the directors, or certainly not most of the directors, who would have maybe made it at earlier points in time, certainly not Barbara Streisand on the heels of Yentl, <laughs> no offense to them, but I think Alan Parker really had this this vision for it. And and I think maybe, maybe it was an Oliver Stone screenplay that was used as the basis for this. So maybe it was Oliver Stone's concept and Alan Parker ran with it, I don't know. But, but the, what that final movie was um, from the very beginning it solved beautifully i thought the number one challenge that it was facing and then the thing that was maybe disappointing about it was that it fucked up a little bit some of the things that were sort of already there all he had to do is copy like i think part of what's so thrilling about the show especially in patty lupone's performance is like, you know, because the other thing the critics came after it for, besides there being like out of touch theater critics who didn't know how to appreciate Angela Weber's music, they were like, it's too loud, you know, because what <laughs> they wanted to see, like Brigadoon or some, sh- you know, they were not, they were not people that had an, any kind of artistic appreciation to this generation's music, you know. But the other thing they criticized was that they didn't like the sort of glorif- glorification of this fascist regime that was like, you know, friendly with like Mussolini and Hitler and stuff. And, you know, and that that's more that criticism hits harder for me now sure. in this Trump era <laughs> than it did, you know, when I was a kid. And I was like, fuck you. Who cares about fascism? You know, <laughs> right. just appreciate the fabulousness of the show, you know. Right. But like 
But I think that that was like uh, a little bit compensated for in by Patti LuPone's performance because, you know, Patti got it both ways. I think that her performance was thrilling enough that you and the audience could understand how people could buy in and be dazzled by this fascist dictator. But at the same time, Patty played her like such a sort of like twisted cunt that it, it did not soft pedal the darkness of the character at all. And I was very excited for Madonna to do that because Madonna is like famously, you know, has an edge to her. But I don't know if it was Madonna wanting to be likable in her screen portrayal or if it was purely the like devil's bargain that they made with the president of Argentina so that they could film on the actual Casa Rosada instead of like on location in Yugoslavia. Because they would show like a sympathetic kind of portrait of her. And that was, you know, because he did not want them to, to shoot the movie there because he was actually in the unbelievably and even to this day but it was surprising in the 90s that the president of argentina was once again a peronist president and they hadn't had that since uh well since peron because they'd had so many military you know takeovers that you know peron had been ousted and you know washed out of the history books but but now they had a a president from his own party and he didn't want them to have a negative portrayal of peron and the show has elements that you know while it doesn't go far enough maybe you know and now in the trump era especially we see it it doesn't go far enough in portraying the harsh reality of this you know fascism it's certainly not like a complete glorification of fascism despite what the critics say so he didn't want it but so madonna and alan parker made this devil's bargain to soften it and i think the place that you experience that the most is in madonna's performance and i do not have a problem with them giving her the ballad another suitcase another hall i think that character is like stupid and pointless anyway so i'm fine for for evita (laughs) to sing that song and like if i'm watching madonna in evita i don't fucking want some other fucking girl to have like one of the best songs in the show you know (laughs) like i wish patty had sung it and i'm glad madonna sang it I think that it would be funny when, like, when it gets to the part where she goes home with her own, yeah. where, the, where, where it takes place in the musical, that song. Yeah. And she, she meets the mistress and has the same little, like, is it called Hello a and yeah, 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 I've yeah. just <laughs> unemployed you. That stuff. And then it has the little, like, they give her, like, a, a, a like a kiss of that song. They give that, yeah. that yeah. character. I think it would be funny if the music started and Madonna just went, like, already saying it bitch yeah yeah totally (laughs) and then it's just like that's the energy that's the energy i wanted more of that and and the other thing and this is you know not really madonna's fault but part of what gave it that edge especially in patty lupone's performance is the vocal range of the character as you know it really expresses that sort of fascist you know shouting from the balcony and madonna's voice is just weak and they change the keys around and it kind of cuts the balls out of the character and that's unfortunate it's yeah it was like one of those things where i'm like well they they definitely made it work madonna what madonna's voice sounds like and what her voice is capable of versus patty lapone it definitely like I was aware that it was coloring it differently. Like, he supports you for yeah. music. Like all that stuff. Like the fact that she can't do that, or if she did, it would be a very head voiced yeah, thing right. that would not mm-hmm. sound right. It just sounded like more honest rather than like this, like sort of like, ah, Commanding. Yeah. yeah. It sounded very earnest and in a way that I was like, oh, I think she really believes this. Yeah. 
which I'm yeah. not sure that the actual Ava Perone did. <laughs> well, who knows? Know. But it's but it didn't have the like. What key um, did she originally sing it in? Yeah, what did you? What key did she deliver that? <laughs> no, speech? but that's the, the Ava key. She sang. If you let, there are rec- <laughs> there are audio recordings of her speeches, and they're in that Patty Lapone key. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, it's kind of the way when you hear Trump talk, he has that like growl in his voice. I mean, yeah. sure. these people are like you know orators in this way, and you know that's yeah, they're, they're meant to they're meant to stir up a crowd. Yeah, exactly. Or foment. <laughs> I will just say one little stupid tidbit, but I'm obsessed with it, that Madonna did. I mean, it had to be her idea. In that song where she gives his girlfriend the boot, there's a lyric. You're like, obviously going through an outlet. Y- yeah, yeah, exactly. She sings it to him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Because it's supposed to be like to her, like, like you're going to get over this. You're going to be fine. You're obviously yeah, yeah. going through some adolescent phase. But Madonna says it back to Perone, like, like, what are you like, you know, like a child molester? Stop like robbing the yeah. cradle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so funny. I know. And Jonathan Price is like, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. But also, like, you think that, like, Ava Perone at that point was probably only like 23 or something, right? Like, yeah, yeah, she was, 24. She was like 15 yeah. when she went to Buenos Aires for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah, right. See, she I gotta say, phase. I think, I think what is tough, like, it's always so tough when you take like a beloved musical and make a movie out of it for a couple reasons. One is that, like, we know that that cast recording with Patti Lapone so well. So, like, anytime yeah. there's a that it's not that, or if there's like a slightly different lyric or a slightly change mm-hmm. in the song. Our brains, even though, like, I definitely felt this a lot when I was watching uh, another favorite of yours, Into the Woods, like the movie of Into the Woods. Yes. There's a couple, like, small lyric changes, and they're fine. Like, they're 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 insignificant in the larger sense. But in watching it, my brain is going, "Why? wait, why did you change that? Even if, like, it just pulls you out of it. Yeah, totally. So, like, there's a way in which, like, they're sort of behind the eight ball with that. And also the, the element of, like, the show was written to be on stage. So, so much of this, so much of the way it is constructed is meant to be done on stage. And then when you make it a movie out of it, it's like, yeah. oh, do we rewrite it? Do we cut it? Or, like, this, if, like, if it was originally written to be a movie, they would have written it differently. Like, things right. would have been structured differently. So, yeah. it's really tough. I will say, for me, I am not crazy about what Alan Parker did with it as a, as a director. And I was watching, I on the Blu-ray, there's, you know, like the making of Evita. And I was watching oh, that. Oh, I got to check that out. And he does the classic thing where he was like, I decided to act like it wasn't a musical, which to me is like, right. then why are you doing this? Like, stop right. it. Like, it. I felt like, like, I think it's beautiful. I think it's so beautifully shot. Like, it's, it's so beautiful to look at. But I also feel like because it's basically an opera or, you know, like a sung through musical, like it is this very heightened world. And it was just so realistic that there's a way in which I was like, I don't think the cinematography or like the visual language of the film is married to like matches the the the, the script or, you know, or the content of it. That's interesting. And, and I think Madonna is very good. I will say I'm not a fan of her singing Another Suitcase, Another Hall, mainly because of where they put it. Because it's like in the in the musical, it comes later. And it, yes, it's for it's totally dismissal. Like they could have cut it. It would have been fine. Or like kept the snippet that right. they had. Yeah. But in the movie and watching it, like she just finishes Buenos Aires. And it's like, she's so excited. You know, it's like her ambition is like, a, you know, like solely pumped up. And then she's like, oh, I always expected my love affairs. You know, like, and it's just like, what? And then, yeah. and then it goes into good night and thank you. Yeah. I'm like, those are two different characters. Like that doesn't make sense. Those lyrics coming out of that mouth, you know, yeah. out of that character. And to the musical, before, it was probably in the stage version. Patty Lapone was like, I need a, I need a cigarette. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like when you're doing it live, it's like, yeah, the leading la- and like we need to rest on the leading lady for a little bit. So like it totally yeah. makes sense. But but to back to what you were saying before, like I think Madonna's very good, but the way in which I feel like I was sort of disappointed or I feel like she didn't fully 
or the way in which I think she's not successful is a way that I thought was most surprising to me is that like, I don't think she has that raw ambition. Like there's so many times in the, sh- in the movie where I feel like she's kind of being like, well, you know, come, I don't know, like, yeah. I'm not that ill or like, oh, you know, maybe yeah. it's this or that. And it's like, no, she should be no. like driven. And she just sort of, and I think it, it feels like she's trying to make her like a softer, nicer person. Yeah. Which I understand, but I also feel like, no, that's no, not who this character is. This character is is Even like Madonna, is, like someone who like came Madonna. from nowhere. I think Madonna yeah. is not at peace or at that time was not at peace with that aspect of herself and wasn't willing to Right. Or I think maybe she wanted to be like, there's more to it than that. Because it's very easy on the outside to just be like, oh, Madonna was purely driven. And like, yeah, yeah, she had drive, but also she is a more complex person. But it's like the movie should not have to bear the responsibility of like (laughs) portraying Madonna's own life a certain way. When you you hear her talk about or you hear like the lore behind her getting cast. And I think she wrote like, aside from like musical, aside from like musical choices she made in her career and the Take a Bow video, and then like campaigning to do it. She also wrote Alan Parker like a huge letter, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. Saying all the reasons why. And when then when you watch the movie, the stories are so aside from the political aspect of it, but the so like breaking grounds, like breaking glass ceiling ground, breaking new ground for like females <laughs> in a business. And in Ava Perone's world, the business was politics and Madonna it was the music business. Yeah. And not that like nobody had ever done what Madonna Nobody had ever done what Madonna did. Not that they're never to that level. Musicians, right? Yeah. But like taking on and becoming like this the number one. I don't know. There was this way that I was like, God, the perils are so strong. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to do like somebody. Okay, I had two ideas. One was okay. <laughs> one was this. One was for Madonna's biopic to just use the music of Evita. Ooh. To tell okay. Madonna's story, but the stronger one. Different lyrics, maybe, <laughs> um, but like a lot of the same lyrics. And then the other, this is the better version, is to do a stage version of Evita, but just dress Evita as Madonna through the years. Like yeah. she starts off sure. in Buenos Aires in like coming to New York. And by the end of it, she's in the like the the everybody. The look, grill. Right? The yeah. grill. <laughs> just like, just like braids and like the, the boy toy belt. By the end of yeah. Buenos Aires, she's in the boy toy belt. Yeah. And then that like works. the... The rainbow, t- like rainbow tour. The rainbow tour is like mm-hmm. the Who's That Girl tour and the like Blonde Ambition tour, kind of combined. That's rainbow high, sure. And then when it gets to like the, the answer is a qualified yes and no <laughs> and yes and no. That's like American Life. The, the, the beginning of the girl, <laughs> the beginning of the girly show. Oh wow, you're <laughs> like really. Erotica. Yeah. Wow. Like she's doing great. She's like, and everyone's like, we'd love her. And then like, okay. It's the yeah. sex book. Right. <laughs> yeah. The sex book. I don't know. I haven't thought it through completely. Yeah. You're not really think... going the full distance of Madonna yeah. with that. <laughs> it's like the first third of Madonna. I think so. I think when that's are you going to get to Madame X? <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think it happens in this. I think she dies. Thing for the men, it's just her getting like injections. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your little body's slowly breaking down. Maybe that's June of this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's about to go on the celebration tour. It's like, David. Yeah, can't. <laughs> uh, there's an idea in there. I don't know. Someone. I like them both. Yeah. Sing you fools, but you got it wrong. Enjoy your praise because you haven't gone long. Your queen is dead. Your king is through. And she's not coming back to you. Show business kept us all alive since 17 October 1945. But the star has gone. The glamour's won't be. That's a pretty bad state for a state to be in Instead of going
What do you think of like Antonio Banderas? Love. Yeah, I think he does a good job. I got. I think that like in the original, you guys will know. In the original, Manny Patinkin is like just dressed as like classic Che Guevara the whole time, right? Like a beret and an army yeah. jacket. Yeah. He yeah. And in this, his the character is still called Che, but he's more just like a Greek chorus where he's just like yeah. Mm-hmm. fitting into the scenes like sometimes he's a bartender sometimes he's like totally yeah. Reporter. Yeah. yeah like an everyman yeah mm-hmm. um it's a little more abstract as to like what his point of view is he's obviously like a voice of he's a, another opinion <laughs> sure well he is also one of those weird shows it's sort of like the musical gypsy and that like it's a huge cast and it's a big show but like it's really kind of three people yeah, yeah. you know what i mean it's really just yeah. like and I think the role of Che, like, did you see the revival that happened a few years ago with yeah. uh, Elena Roger and Elena Roger? I saw that, and like, people didn't like Elena Rogers, and I, I liked her. I liked her, and I actually really liked her during her, during Lament, which is like the end of the show. So that's like yeah. the first time for like for her to like really pop. But, but I thought to me. The flaw of that production was actually Ricky Martin. Not that oh, he like worst wasn't performance good. I've ever seen on Broadway. <laughs> because like because Che is kind of the only character who's like a foil to Ava. And so like he was just like nice and sweet the whole time. So like she just seemed like this angry, horrible person. And I felt like, oh, that's why like she had nothing to play against. Oh, he and was feel- garbage. He was absolute <laughs> trash in that. <laughs> but he was box office. But yeah, and I feel like I felt like for this, I there were times I was like, should Antonio Bandera? Like I thought it would have been so theatrical, and I guess that's kind of what I wanted from this movie, which is my own fault. But like maybe it would have been more interesting for him to always be in sort of like, even though like in the world of the movie, everyone else in that scene sees him as a waiter or a reporter or what have you. But if right. we always see him as this sort of like poor revolutionary, like you know, being the voice of like the mm. of the downtrodden and stuff like that, to me, I thought like, oh, that would have made his character feel more. more complete or like fuller like this like like he does a wonderful job he's beautiful to look at he's very charming he looks great in all those suits and all those costumes we put him in Mm -hmm. but it sort of just feels like he doesn't have much impact as a character yeah well i guess he's not a character (laughs) i mean he sort of is and like he's he's like a device yeah yeah but i think that's also like his I, i think it's more of like a directorial decision to rather than his like actual performance. Cause he's like raising an eyebrow and like, you know, smoking sure. a cigar. He's doing what he can with like, sort of being like, this is bullshit. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but it's, but he's participating in it as well. Rather than like, but not really. Like, I mean, his participation is, is so ancillary. Like, yeah. you know, when he's like bartending and he's like saying like, now Ava Perron had every disadvantage. <laughs> you don't see somebody being like, waiter, I need a drink. Yeah. And he's like, one second. <laughs> Who are you, you talking to? Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> he's, it's all, it's, it's just like to sort of like to show this as being like a, a, a response to that situation grounded in it, you know? Yeah. Or that he's like kind of hiding in plain sight sort of thing. I don't know. It's a weird. Yeah. It's weird. But I think he does good. <laughs> he sounds good. I guess the because like then it's like, why have him be there at all? Why not have like, you like, know, why not the, have just be like a different random person in each scene sort of. Yeah. Or why, have, why, why, or why not have him floating in space? Why not have it just be a voiceover? <laughs> right. Like, why does what's you know, what's the point of of making him take for, you know, transmorph? trans what is it transmogrify you know yeah <laughs> not the word 
something like that transmorph yeah but I, I guess it's again goes back to the idea of like because it is because that's it's a it show, show that's how it was written right. and, right. and you totally. have to almost like totally rewrite it or totally reconceive yeah. it yeah and that sort of feels like well then at what point are you like well then let's just write a new show yeah yeah theatrical but, device that doesn't translate to the screen yeah. as well yeah. So yeah. So it starts with Ava Prone as a kid, as a as a young girl, and this uh, singer Magaldi, Jimmy Nail, and she's like, you know, sleeps with him and says, "Take me to Buenos Aires." And uh, while watching it again recently, I was like, if I didn't know this musical, how confused would I be during this? I wondered that too. I don't know the answer. It's hard to like take out information out of your head <laughs> to like sort of see it. But I think you could be. I think you'd follow this the basic storyline that like she's getting to. Yeah, honestly, like it's the- less confusing than the show. You think those fucking people <laughs> that like have their season subscription tickets to the Pasadena Civic Auditorium <laughs> and they went out to dinner at fucking like Sizzler and had like a scotch <laughs> on the rocks and they sit uh, there and the lyrics are flying by a mile a minute oh, with just yeah, a couple sure. of people on a bare stage with like a folding chair. You think right. they know what's going on? Like, <laughs> they have no idea. Much clearer with the set and the locations and everything. Sure. Yeah. Although there were times, I also felt like Alan Parker really. More than wanting to like film any choreography or dance, he just wanted to choreograph street brawls. Yeah. There's so many just yeah. like fights in the streets and yeah. so much walking in this movie. Yeah. There is this constantly, all he knows how to do to give it movement is to have people walking. Like yeah. in Buenos Aires, Madonna like is walking constantly and she spins around with her suitcase like she's Julie Andrews in Sound of Music at least three times. Buenos Aires was, I would say, musically speaking, it was the biggest failure in the movie. That was when I really wanted it to be like, I wanted Rob Marshall, like, I wanted to be like, just let Rob Marshall direct this number. Yeah. I want it to be a fucking Madonna song. Like, yeah. it's one thing I to want complain to see the dance. Yeah. about, yeah. like, you know, he supports you for he loves you. That's not her forte. But Buenos Aires, Madonna should do that better than anybody. And they yeah. didn't give her, the, or she didn't give her, so I don't know whose choice it was to do it. That's It's slowed down. It sounds like shit. It's boring to watch. Like, it doesn't have any character to it. It's just like, yeah, no. they're doing this dance. It's like, we're not seeing story come through. And also, it's just poorly edited because it's just, so much of it was just like close-ups of like Bay's character shoes just like tapping on the ground instead of yeah. like seeing yeah. the full picture of it. There's so much of this, all the background people, all the soldiers, all the, every time like a chorus sings in unison, which is not a ton of times, but the times that they do, everybody is like kind of blank face, kind of like, uh, like partway 
like they're very unexpressive on purpose and i feel like the choreography in this was sort of like that too like unexpressive on purpose like just kind of like the moving as little as possible kind of thing like i don't know like limp well know. in a way they're all kind of like che where like they're not really characters yeah like right. when they, they're commenting you know, on the scene that they're in they're, they're they're almost just doing exposition i mean Really, like the only people that are actual characters are Ava and Peron and Magaldi, but he disappears after. And Magaldi, yeah. I mean, and and Che has opinions about things, but he doesn't have an actual like position in the story. Actually, affect the story in any way. Yeah, I think also the characters that are characters are like her female family members. Yeah, that are like like her. Like (laughs) I don't, can't tell. It's like her her cousins or her sisters or her mom. Like they're like these girls backstage like, but like all the like the peasants and the soldiers and the aristocrats all the times that they're singing like they're just they're basically just singing the narrator i mean yeah, they are just like going through the motions kind of. yeah. yeah and that is kind of written into it yeah i mean it, they, it works differently on stage where you wouldn't see their faces close up anyway you know right or there's also just that thing in in theater where like i i especially thought of this during the song Lament, which is again the, the the last song of the of the whole movie, where in the movie, like in on the stage, she just kind of sings it to the audience or sort of sings it to this sort of like whatever theatrical world. And in the movie, she's singing it to Perone and it sort of feels like a weird thing for her to be singing to him specifically. But then it's like, well, totally. it's a film. And so like they have to, because it's such a literal medium or because like, that's just how Alan Parker just sort of set it up. It's sort of like, well, she has to be singing to someone. And God, you're kind of making me wonder if when I rewatch the movie with my twinks, <laughs> am I not going to like it anymore? Like, I'm sorry, I don't want you to not like it. Maybe but... <laughs> I'm going to wish that Ken Russell had made it with Liza Minnelli in 1981. You know? I did want it to be crazy. I mean, part of me was just thinking like, I get how like, I, I feel like movie musicals especially are such a, difficult delicate thing and that when it's so easy for it to tip into like camp or just like insanity or crazy but i just watching that i just felt like this is a a sung through piece of you know what i mean so like to but then to be like oh let's make it really grounded and literal to me felt like so many things just seem so awkward to me because of that as opposed to they've sort of created some other theater theatrical language for film and it's tough for film because film is all is notoriously just like very literal i mean i I think in a way they played it safe and it worked. It was just not maybe as it didn't have the payoff you might have wanted. Yeah. But because a sung through piece, you know, in the movie of Chicago, like you can go back and forth from the spoken reality to the musical fantasy world. Right. But when there's no spoken reality, they chose to make the musical world the reality, you know, and right. just, and they and they treat the songs almost like the way you would see. And it's a lot of montages. It's a you know, it's very little like somebody singing in the moment. And it's a lot of montages that the music is set to the same way you could just pick any song and, you know, that is the right vibe for the moment. Right. And, you know, or the same way you would use narration. And I think you, what you're saying, though, Eric, about the character, the people not being characters, it actually is served by that. Because what difference would it, the lyrics are not written for you to see the, a close up of some like aristocrat woman going like, such a shame she wanted, <laughs> yeah. you know, in unison with 
with like all 12 of like the ladies at her country club. Like <laughs> it's not, it actually right. makes sense for that to be treated like, I mean, it's a little bit of like a heterosexual man's take on Evita. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. Alan Parker's gay or straight, but it's like a straight movie. You know, it's like the music is like the awesome 70s soundtrack to these montages that tell the story. What's well, it like, like in the, in the, Am I mixing up with chess? There's like, I feel like I have a vision of the choreography from like the Cat of the Pwn version where there's like a clump of people that like move across the street. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. Fully, that's, yeah, and they're like- And it's part aristocrats and part soldiers and they're sort of yeah. moving in and out. And they're just like, they're just one voice. They don't yeah. each have their own t opinion on that. So yes. I, I get that. I just feel like not allowing them to like express anything with their eyes or their facial expressions during those things. It could, I could see how it could tip into like camp really easily if each actor at a, you know, at the races or whatever, the polo game, were like right. being expressive about how they felt about Ava Peron. But there's something that, I don't know, it's weird to me that, I just think because it's in, in, on stage when they're like moving as a lump, we're like, we get it, this is how that right. group of people feels. Then when we show like 30 faces and they're all just like blank. Yeah, I mean, I think you could have them just doing their scenes and have that the 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 song be not voiceover but or narration, but you know what I mean? Like they don't have to actually literally be singing it or we don't need to see them actually singing. Right. It's like they stopped the, the they were like filming them eating dinner <laughs> and then they were like, now everybody look at the camera and just mouth these words. <laughs> or they could have just been like eating and having dinner and singing the same thing. Right. And we've seen like life as a I don't know. I think it works for me. Like when, for example, that song with the soldiers and yeah. the aristocrats, and like the aristocrats are like playing polo, and the soldiers are like, you know, taking marching. a shower in towels. Taking a shower in not towels, yeah. And it's all, <laughs> and it, it is choreographed. It's just not choreographed as dance, but like the timing of the water turning on and the towels being tied and the march of the soldiers is all in time with the music. Sure. So it's like, it is like the, a heightened reality. I feel like it's the like editing a... is choreographed, but the camera isn't. The camera just feels so static to me. And there's so, again, there's so many shots of people just walking. Yeah. You know, whether it be crowds or like Madonna is just constantly, she gets her steps in in this movie without <laughs> a doubt. She's constantly like, just like walking into a room, walking down the street, walking, let the camera do something rather than like, I understand that you want movement. You don't want just a static picture, but it feels like there's something, I don't know. It just felt like the same choice over and over again. Yeah. I did appreciate that even though I didn't understand like why there was suddenly we were watching fencing in that number, but I did Thank like the, you. the, the, the appees, the blades were like, the evidence suggests clack, 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 clack. <laughs> yeah, clack. yeah. that's what I'm clack, talking clack, about. Clack, yeah. clack, 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 clack. Cute, but I was like, why fencing? I guess. Because that's what the aristocrats like... did. Oh, okay. Yeah. They fence. Madonna's I mean, like, the, I might the be the in a James Bond movie Argentina. in a few years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were like, very British. Play an, a fencing instructor. <laughs> I mean, you could do worse. Everything she's doing is an audition for her next project. That's Madonna. <laughs> Want to talk about Don't Cry For Me, Argentina? Mm -hmm. 
this was another one where I was like, while she's singing the song, it seemed like Alan Parker just like, let's make this a previously on. Like it was just all flashbacks to her life up to that point, which felt so odd to me. I mean, I don't know that there's any way to Madonna at that time to be compelling enough in a close up on that song without it's kind of like the, the flashbacks do the acting for her, you know? Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's a weird song. It's hard to it's act. Such a I weird mean, that's song. that's part of Patty's like magic. And and honestly, now uh, I would love to see Madonna sing it live. Now I've seen videos of her doing it in more recent years, and I feel like she's connected to it. It won't be easy. You'll think it's strange when I try to explain how I feel that I still. After all that I've done, you won't believe me. All you will see is a girl you once knew, although she's dressed up to the nines at sixes and sevens with you. I mean, I know that part of the inspiration when Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice wrote the song was because they had seen Judy Garland in London at the Talk of the Town in 1969. You know, the bitter, bitter end. Yeah. I mean, speaking about being... And Judy would be hours and hours late for that show every night. <laughs> and people would throw tomatoes at her. And she would get up there and she was a just decrepit, withered-away drug addict, you know, just in the saddest way. She was completely out of her mind. The voice was broken. And she would sing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. And in a way, it was like haunting her because they would demand it of her. But she yeah, sorry. <laughs> Don't you wish? I was like, <laughs> and she certainly didn't have the voice for it, you know. And so they wanted to write Ava a song that would be sort of the like the her climax of her triumph her. signature, but that she would, yeah, that it would come back to backfire on her because she would have to do it in the end when she's dying, and it would be the whole thing. And I think they succeeded really yeah. well. And then, in a weird way, the sort of like meta ness of it is that all these women, whether it's Madonna or Patti Lupone or Elaine Page. I'm sure it's true for Alana Roger. In, in a way, it becomes their own over the rainbow. In, in <laughs> you know, I mean, Madonna's not short on signature songs, obviously, but this is a certain kind of a signature song. And so I think that probably Madonna now would sing it in a way that's more compelling, but probably in 1996, where all she had was her acting talent and her refusal to encompass the character's darkness. Well, also, it, like, if Madonna does it now, she's doing her twist on it and her take on it. And you yeah. know what I mean? And she's, like, in control of it in a way when she's like, yeah. in this way, she has to serve the larger story. But then again, you can't really deliver that song if you don't have the sense of being in control and it being your song, you know? Right. Because it is also, like, kind of a nonsensical So Like, Tim Tim Rice's lyrics can really mm. not do any work for you sometimes. Yeah, you know what I mean? no, like you especially have it, in that song. Yeah. You have to, like, come up with your own... You have to come up with so much subtext and so much of your own story for it. To, yeah. Like, it's not doing the work for you at all. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's like we're just gonna... Like the agreement is we're all just going to pause and hear this beautiful song that we like. It's not moving the story forward necessarily. It's well, just like- Madonna's especially doesn't because she's playing the character as being like a, someone who genuinely wants to help people. And that's why she's doing this, you know, and the song is, makes much more sense as a lie, you know, that yeah. it's like this is the big seduction. I mean, this this song, you know, it's like Trump's retribution tour. I mean, it's all for you, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, if the song is not 
trying to man- manipulate like that, then it's pointless. And so, you know, I think Madonna and Alan Parker saw the song as just sort of like her heartfelt plea for the people to accept her. Which yeah. they were. They were accepting her. Yeah. <laughs> they were all there but outside her balcony. Ex- they already accept her. They're yeah. calling her name before she sings it, you know? So what is she even doing? Yeah, I don't know. What, Ava Perone, <laughs> what are you up to? Have I said too much? There's nothing more I can think of to say to you. But all you have to do is look at me to know that every word is true. After that, we have High Flying Adored, which is one of my favorite songs in the whole show. I think it's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful song. High Flying Adored, so young, instant queen, a rich, beautiful thing. Of all the talents, a cross between a fantasy of the bedroom and a saint. Just a backstreet girl hustling and fighting, scratching and biting. And that's one of the things where the movie goes beyond what the show could ever do. A montage really helps through all of his stuff about how far she's come. Yeah. And nobody could be more beautiful than Madonna basking. And the the what is she basking in? She's basking in crowd scenes of thousands and thousands and thousands <laughs> of people. That's so much more impressive than just, you know, an actress in a slip sitting at a makeup table. Right. So, you know, it's, you feel that she is at this high and the song is so wonderful in the movie. I like that the um, you were talking about the posters of her face and mm. the paintings of her. I like how they, I like thinking of the art director trying to create a picture that looks enough like Madonna and also like enough like Ava Perone. That, that right. it's kind of like the 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 face in those pictures is kind of like if you saw it you wouldn't be like that's Madonna, yeah. But you'd be like <laughs> right. it's like this mixture where you're like mm-hmm. yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's a fun blend. Mm-hmm. But one thing I'll say for me, no one else can feel it like I can. There again, I've more to do than simply get the message through. I haven't started. Let's get this show on the road. Let's make it obvious. Perron is off and rolling. Eyes, hair, mouth, figure, dress, voice, style, movement. Then Rainbow High starts with her running into a room, more walking. I came home. I need to be dazzling. I want to be rainbow high. They must have excitement, and so must I. Rainbow tour. People of Europe, I send you the rainbow of Argentina. 
Rambo tour is great. Yeah. A lot of B-roll, just like her. Trains. Windows of trains. Throwing money out of trains. I love, though, that they had to change the lyric instead of oh, yes, right. the New World Madonna. Madonna. The golden. <laughs> She's our lady of the... It's so smart. Yeah. She's our lady of the new world with the that's one where the lyric change made total sense. That'd be like totally. a fun day at the table read where she's someone's reading yeah. it. She's like, um, I actually have a note about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am the new world Madonna. <laughs> I mean, she is, so yeah. they got to face that reality. <laughs> then the actress hasn't learned the lines you'd like to hear. That's when she's back and all the rich people are snubbing her. Yeah. yeah. But even there, she plays it so much for how hurt and vulnerable she is to their cruelty rather than how fucking vengeful and she's going to get them. Like, it should be all yeah. about, like, I'm going to repay you tenfold, not yeah. just like, oh, I'm a little girl and you yeah. hurt my feelings. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She's just too sweet. And it's just like, come on, go for it. The chorus girl hasn't learned the lines you'd like to hear. She won't go scrambling over the backs of the poor to be accepted by making donations just large enough to the correct charity. Then the money kept rolling in, which is should be another great big dance number. Yeah. And, uh, again, a lot more walking in this. Ava's pretty hands reach out and they reach wide. May feel it should have been a voluntary cause, but that's not the point, my friends. When the money keeps rolling in, you don't ask how. Think of all the people guaranteed a good time now. Eva's called the hungry to her, open up the doors. Never been a fan like the foundation, never forever. The money that she's thrown out of that train looks a little bit like prop money. Yeah, it's like a little too big. (laughs) Yeah. It's for the mezzanine. (laughs) Yeah. But on the other hand, she's all they have. What do we think of uh, Jonathan Price in this? I think Jonathan Price, it's crazy how much better he is than anyone else in the movie. It almost seems like like he's made of a different clay. Like he's an <laughs> We octopus. did have a lot of stuff on his nose. Yeah, he does look funny. But like it's almost <laughs> like it doesn't even feel like he's the same species as Madonna and Anto- Madonna and Antonio Banderas. Like Jonathan Price just actually seems like it's like you're observing human behavior when like the other two are just sort of like play acting. Sure. One leg of the tripod is working a lot harder. Yeah. I, well, I think of that he doesn't look like he's working. And I yeah. think it's, you know, like the two of them, you can definitely see like they're working hard. And I think he is sort of like, no, you don't let them see you work. And when you think about it, well, why not do one or two of the things we promised to? Tell me before I waltz out of your life, before turning my back on the past. Forgive my impertinent behavior, but how long do you think this pantomime can last? It's the waltz for Che and Ava. Come on, that's a great moment. It's a great moment. I love the song, but I feel like... Again, like the shooting of it was, I mean, also like at this point, she was starting to show pregnancy wise, but I did kind of want to see the two of them more. Just the, the filming of the dancing, especially because like that, she's so good, you know, like it's so effortless yeah. for her. She's so good at it. that I wanted to see it not so chopped up. 
I do like the fact that we get like the movie poster in this dance. Yeah. Like she like turns around back to him and I'm like, mm-hmm. bam, movie poster. Yeah. Or one of them at least. Wouldn't you say the chopping up is the camera choreography that you were asking for in the other sequence? No, that's editing more than camera work. Okay. Like to me, camera work is like the camera is moving. So like we're seeing more of the, you know, as opposed to just, oh, here's a different shot. Here's a different shot. Okay. And I also felt like this, like to me, this song should be, it's actually like a wrestling match that's, that's sort of masquerading as a waltz. And this yeah. just felt like a waltz. Yeah. Which I think is like part of like the softening of Madonna's character and part of like the, you know what I mean? Like, cause this is like yeah. the real moment where like the opposition is like in Ava's face and being like, yeah. well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And they're, and the fact that they're like fighting, but having to do this waltz, I think is very dramatically compelling because these things are working against each other. I almost wonder, I don't know enough about dance and about this kind, like ballroom dance, but I feel like a tango is one of those dances that's kind of like does that naturally where it's like, it's like an antagonistic push and pull that I feel like if they choreograph it more like that, but I don't know if that's possible. To a waltz. But also, I I see your points, but but I also feel like this is one of the sequences where Madonna lets her sort of harshness come out more in a really effective way. I don't yeah. think she plays this song like a victim at all. I think she fights with him, and I like it. <laughs> they would have had great sex. Yeah. They might have. They might have. She was like, it's fine, I'm pregnant, just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so go with your able to somewhere unstable and stay there. Whip up your hate in some tottering state, but not here, dear. Is that clear, dear? I will say that we're talking about Madonna's and Alan Parker's choice for, and how like their choice might have been like not right from the get go. But for that choice, Madonna does a fantastic job, I think. Because I think the execution of the choices is really well done. If what you're trying to show is totally more character than you doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think doing it really well in a way that I think that, and we, I think we sort of talked about this before, but how much the like, conflagration of what Madonna wanted the world to see of her at that point in her career mm-hmm. overtook what would have served the movie overall or the character better was that like Madonna wanted to see like I want to see people see that I can really act in this way that I can be vulnerable and yeah. and appealing and like that you can feel for me So then we get to like the original song, the song for Madonna, You Must Love Me. The original mm-hmm. song that won the Oscar. That's why it was written. That's why it was written. Yeah, <laughs> they want to get that Oscar. Once again, Madonna gave birth to an Oscar for a musical theater legend. Hilarious. That's so true. <laughs> Sondheim and Lloyd Webber. They have yep. their Oscars because of her. It's like that was their karma. They had to like, they had to get it, <laughs> get it with her. Deep in my heart, I'm concealed. 
I feel like not a lot of this is like her singing it. Like, I mean, it's her singing, but it's like in the background. And then it's just like, yeah, we never see her sing this song in the movie. Mm. There's a music yeah. video that you might be thinking of that. I also watched also on the Blu-ray and it's basically her mm. at the, like at a piano. And she's like looking up yeah. Oh, yeah. the entire time. Yeah. I can picture that video. But this one is just like walking in wheelchairs, being and wheeled past, like, you know, the yeah. staff and being brought up a flight of stairs. And how can I be any use? wonder if when I rewatch the movie, I'm going to think that you guys are such assholes or that or that or that you were right. I hope neither. I hope you still love it. I don't want you to not love it because of everything I've said. I, enjoy, I actually I mean, I just rewatched it yesterday and the day before to prepare for this. And I actually enjoyed watching the movie. I mean, again, like it's beautiful. Like it's gorgeous to look like the cinematography is beautiful. Like they, they spend the money on the clothes and the, you know, on the visuals, like and all that stuff. So it's not, I don't think it's like a failure in that way. To me, it's for, for me, it just feels like a failure of conception. What grade like, would you guys give it? If I was Owen, Owen Lieberman. Yeah. Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. I don't know how to judge Like there was, I was watching, I'm trying to think what musical it was. It was some musical, but it was televised. It was like a recording of a musical that was oh. on, what might've been The Wiz. Did they do The Wiz on? A couple yeah, years ago, Wiz yeah, Live. they did. Yeah, yeah The Wiz Mary Live. Blige. Yeah, <laughs> whoever I was watching it with, like partway through it, looked over and was like, what do you think so far? And I was like, I don't know how to judge this. It's like a musical on television that is yeah. like supposed to be, like there's so many different layers. And I kind of feel that about this too, where I'm like, I don't know. Am I enjoying the music? Yes. Are the performances good? Yes. Is it beautiful to look at? Yes. Does it make sense? Not really. <laughs> right. And it's also like um, it doesn't but, fully, like if you were seeing this in a the theater, it would probably engage you emotionally in a way that it doesn't. What I don't like about most of those live musicals, I would say, is that they don't have an audience. And so it yeah. always looks, especially That's when like there's comedy. Grease was the best one. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. anytime there's comedy and you someone oh, says a punchline and then there's just a deafening silence, it sounds okay. like a failure. But this is a very harsh analogy for Avita. I mean, right. <laughs> I mean, again, I would give it on execution a B plus. Like again, like it's beautiful. I think everyone does a good job. But I don't feel like I watched I saw it when it came out. And I don't think I'd sat down and watched the whole thing all the way through until just yesterday. And I don't feel like I'm gonna do it again anytime soon. I'd give Madonna an A minus. Still life is 
so like it was kind of a big controversy that she wasn't nominated for an Oscar, even though she won the Golden Globe. Yeah, I kind of get why she didn't, even though like yeah, her, like the effort of it is like she's like she's in the movie, so like she's in uh, just about every single scene in the movie. So but what were like, the other nominees that year? Also, like you know, how bad of a snub was it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's because it really, it, you can't really, Beyonce like, say for Austin that. Powers 2 is nominated. Oh <laughs> ben, what would you give, what would you give Evita as a, a, as a grade? Now, overall? I haven't seen it in a few years, okay. but I would give it an A minus over a B plus. An A minus over a B plus? Like, yeah. over John's B plus, you mean? No, like, you know, A minus slash B plus. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Like, I would give it like an 89.9%. Is that sort of like, but is it sort of like when somebody's like, I want my steak like between, between medium rare and rare. And I'm like, well, there's nothing there's, or between medium and medium rare. And I'm like, there's not a temperature for that. But there is, it's a spectrum. (laughs) Okay. So the nominees that year were Brenda Blethyn for Secrets and Lies, Diane Keaton for Marvin's Room, Kristen Scott Thomas for The English Patient, Emily Watson for Breaking the Waves, and Frances McDormand who won for Fargo. Yeah, I mean, Madonna did not deserve a nomination more than any of those performances. Sure. Actually, I've never seen The English Patient, but I take it on good faith that it's quite good. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm I'm happy not seeing it and knowing that it must be great. (laughs) I saw it a long time ago, and I don't remember it. But I didn't. But you weren't like, she didn't deserve that nomination. (laughs) How dare she? Yeah. No, you're like, that, that makes sense. Who were they again? Let's see if we there's one that okay. we could squeeze out. One of them I'm making up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Turning the trivia, you know it's Francis McDormand for Fargo, Brenda Blethyn for Secrets and Lies, Diane Keaton for Marvin's Room, Kristen Scott Thomas for The English Patient, and Emily Watson for Breaking the Waves. I'm gonna say Brenda. I think I didn't see Brenda. Blethyn. Oh no, Brenda Blethyn was amazing, and that was like a okay. mostly amazing. Movie. Like, yeah. Truly oh God. Okay. 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 God, and Eric. Why do you hate Mike Lee? <laughs> Emily Watt. Okay, Diane. You know what? Diane Keaton's got enough. We got enough. She's gonna be fine. Like, that's her, true. If you want to play politics, like yeah. Marvin's Room is like not that special of a movie. You know, it's an adaptation uh-huh. of a better play or whatever. Right. And yeah. like. Diane Keaton was wonderful in it. She's wonderful in everything, but she's been wonderful in a million things. She's got lots of nominations. Madonna needed that more. I could see and Diane Keaton doesn't. Diane. Do, yeah, Diane Keaton doesn't like do something weird. Like I had no idea she could do that. No, right. It's a little bit like but, when Lori Metcalf gets like nominated for anything that like for Lady Bird. She's great. Lori Metcalf is always awesome, but it's not. I'm not ever like it's not a new. Oh my great. God, yeah. You're like yeah. That's what Lori Metcalf does. She's like a. She's a home run. It's sort of like the 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 problem Meryl Streep has. Like for her to win another Oscar at this point, she has to like surprise us, which is like, how can Meryl Streep surprise us at this yeah. point? Yeah. Yeah. Like okay, so she was great. We've taken it away from Diane Keaton, the nomination. The yeah. <laughs> and we've nominated and we've Diane, thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you she for your service. Shit. She's yeah. fine. <laughs> She's fine. Like, whatever, guys. What did that <laughs> nomination do for her? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. She didn't get new representation off of that. No, no. she still had to make the book club movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <She> was... <laughs> God, imagine what if Madonna was in book club instead of Diane Keaton? Oh, <laughs> uh, it could have been a whole new This alternate on. universe. <laughs> I don't think Rita Moreno would have done it. She'd be like, no, not if Madonna's yeah, doing it. No, Deborah. fuck way. <laughs> yeah, she would have been the Deborah Winger of the book club. Deborah Winger of... <laughs> League of Their Own. To League the of Their club. Own, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be too much of a circus. I'm not, I thought this was like a serious movie about women. 
So Ben, so to wrap up, so like for the celebration tour, is there anything like any dreams or things that you're hoping that Madonna will do on her tour? I really loved that sending the clowns that she did in Rebel Heart. And I would really love to see more songs like that that are like stripped down. That's just about Madonna showing how much she's grown as a, you know, everything that she, all these songs, they're all over the rainbow for Madonna, you know? And right. she's there's so much history with her and this music that's shared history with her and her fans. So I don't need her to go to Israel and le- learn Krav Maga or like, oh, no one has yet seen her do this new kind of acrobatics or, oh, she's been training her triceps to do this back bends that no one's seen before with 27 dancers, you know, doing right. music that has nothing to like. I, I don't need it to be like the most athletic, crazy thing I've ever seen. I want to like appreciate that Madonna is like with us. And like, I want to see like all her stories just like in her like heart when she sings the songs, you know? Have you watched her Tears of a Clown, which is the first time she sang Sin of the Clowns, I imagine? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that when she did in the, oh, you're talking about in the Who's That Girl tour? Is that that weird medley? No, she did a, like a one, she technically did it twice, but it basically was like a one night thing she did in Australia at the end of the Rebel Heart tour. She just did it because she had not been to Australia for her last five tours. Mm. So she did this one night thing called Tears of a Clown. She comes out and like dressed as a clown on a tricycle, but it's like stripped down. It's just yeah, her. This is what, this is what she did at, at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, but the whole thing is that like there's no back. It's it is a lot of like she does some of her songs. She does some other covers too. Oh, the but whole it is concert, just, the yeah. whole thing. It's just her telling stories and doing sort of like oh, really stripped down versions of her songs. Fuck out of that tonight. It's on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be your. Then you'll be like, okay, I got what I wanted out of the celebration tour. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. It, that's but I always that... want more of that. You know, I want her to talk about what she went through with the health scare. I want her to talk about her kids. I want her to apologize for being with fucking Guy Ritchie. Yeah, a, a thousand percent. Like when when I watched it, I was like, oh, I want her to do more of this. But yeah, you know, where it's just it's almost like, oh, I'd love for Madonna to do like <laughs> like a residency at Joe's Pub. Yeah, you know I mean? where it's just like her. Well, like, but three honestly, musicians. Broadway would be Joe's Pub for her. I mean, that's uh, yeah, what I had hoped yeah. Madam X was going to be, but I, it wasn't that. You know. But I think I think you would really love it. If like that's something that you really crave, oh, I am you should definitely check in. that out. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. So Ben, uh, is there anything you wanna plug or promote or let people know about? Yes, all these Madonna fans would love my <laughs> podcast about the making of the original production of Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods. It is it's absolutely called... fabulous. Oh, good. Go on, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's called Giants in the Sky. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I'm of course like Into the Woods wasn't my first Broadway show, but it was one of my first ones. And I, I, uh, it's so fun. It's so great. If you have any interest at all in Into the Woods, you have to listen to it. It's so. Thank fun. you, John. My interest in Into the Woods is low, but I will listen to it because I like you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I, I I'll learn something. I'll learn a lot. I like Into the Woods. Yeah. Awesome. All righty, that's it. We did it. Thank we did you it. so much. I hope I really you still like it. I hope I didn't. Ju- I hope I didn't spoil the movie for you. I'll yeah, but you, you know. really yeah. email yeah. us and let Dude, us know. Yes, let me know yeah, if you're like for sure. you, bitch. you bitter old queen. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening. If you have comments or questions or just want to reach out to us, you can reach us at thecelebrationcelebration at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram account at the Celebration Celebration. Special thanks to Dynamo for our artwork. And if you could do us a lovely favor and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. It really helps people find the show, and we appreciate it. And when you're reviewing us, just remember, we're not your bitch. Don't hang your shit on us. Wait, did who's in 80 for Brady? Oh, oh that was in pretty much everyone, but... But not Reba? Diane Keaton. Not Diane Keaton, though. Was it Diane? It's like Lily Tomlin and... Rita Moreno, yeah. Candice Bergen, Jane Fonda, Rita Mar- Sally Field, Lily Tomlin. I fucked it up. I fucked it up. Kristen Scott, <laughs> Thomas. Sally Field. <laughs> Scott Thomas. Sally Field is the Diane Keaton. Okay. That makes sense. Madonna is the yeah. Jane Fonda, I guess. I think in that group, Madonna is like the, the kid sister because she's like. She's Billy Porter. Why, why, why <laughs> we're all that? Billy Porter. <laughs> <laughs> Those were some of my best work. Some of my best work. <laughs>